My accent is just broken up. There's American in there. There's Toronto in there. There's Beijing in there. It's messed up because for 14 years, I lived in the States, but I grew up here and uh, my parents are West Indian. So, um, but living in the States for 14 years was an amazing experience. Learned so much ministry-wise, life-wise. That's where my wife and I really connected and, and got, uh, got together and started our family, owned our first home. All that stuff happened uh, in the States. And I remember there was this one time when my wife uh, went away. She went away. I forgot where it was that she went. Uh, but she was coming back home. And we used to fly into Detroit. Uh, because flying into Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we live, which was like two and a half hours away, um, it was very expensive, you know. And so we would fly there, or she would fly, and I would fly, and we'd get somebody to come and, you know, just take the drive to pick the person up from the airport. So she went away this time, and I decided I was going to come, of course, and pick her up. I couldn't wait to see her, you know, and uh, just put a big loving on her because she was gone for a while, and it was just a blessing. I was looking forward. And so the thing was that I remember, man, you know, I got my GPS, my phone, and, yo, the Maps app, it's just shady, guy. Like, it works sometimes, but sometimes it's just like, man, like, where, where in the world are you taking me right now? Like, these streets don't even exist, you know? And so I'll never forget, there were multiple options. It gives you, like, options. It's like, this one it will take you uh, 40 minutes. This one will take you, like, 35. And this one will take you, like, 36. It's like, you know, not really that big of a saving. But I'm looking to find out what's the quickest route that I can get there because there are options. I don't know what to take because I don't know if you're going to me, mess me up today or what. So I picked one of them. I'll never forget. I wanted to get there the fastest, get there to see my wife as soon as possible. And so I drive and I start out the trek on the way there, you know, and if you ever have been in like Detroit, how many of you have ever driven in Detroit? Okay, I see the hands, you know, and it's Motor City, quote unquote, but those roads, child, those roads will tear your car up. And so I'll never forget driving there and, you know, we were, we were going to the airport on the way there or I was on the way there. And as I, you know, I'm following the directions, I'm headed in that direction, I picked that option. The one that would have taken me the shortest amount of time. And by the time I got to where it told me, I ended up in a back alley, like in the middle of Detroit. Like where I immediately just locked my car doors. And I'm like, I need to pee, but I'm not getting out here. It's over. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus, please help me to get out. I'm like, this is not Detroit airport. And so again, map, the maps app threw me the shade. So I had to go outside of those options. Come on, somebody. And I had to go to a gas station and find somebody who was a local, who understood the big picture. They knew where they were at. They understood the Detroit area. They knew how to get me to where I needed to go. And so I got directions from that person. Somebody say a local. Got directions from that person. And I ended up making it to the airport shortly thereafter. And finding my wife. So none of those options that were presented, the one that I picked, you know, it just, it didn't work out for me. And so I was, I was able to go and connect with my wife uh, by talking to someone that was outside of the Maps app. So John chapter 5, what book did I say? Verse 1 through 8. You're going to see where I'm going in a second. Now I need you to understand here that there are five porches. Somebody say five porches. That were surrounding this pool at Bethesda. And remember as I told you what was happening was. That there are these angels 
uh, that would, an angel would come and trouble the water, they would say, and the first person who would get in the pool, no matter what they had, they would be healed. Are you still with me this morning? And so the pool porches, all five of them were filled with people who were sick. These porches represented five options. Everybody say options. That's the title for our message today. If there were, there were five options for them to get to this water. Five opportunities, five ways in which they could arrive at their deliverance that they saw and that they could experience their healing. And we find this man, the Bible says, who was in his condition for 38 years. And so he was at the pool and he was an invalid. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. And so somebody brought him and put him in that porch. Are you with me on this morning? Five options. And that was the option that he ended up in. He ended up on the the porch that he was on. And the Bible makes it clear that he was, he picked that option and it could not get him to, to his desired destination, which was deliverance. Somebody's going to see where I'm going in a second. And so he was there, you know, it could have been him that picked that option. Like I picked the option on my GPS. It could have been him that decided that that was the porch that he wanted to be in. But also it could have been someone who just decided to pick him up and carry him and bring him to that porch. Have you ever been in a situation uh, where the option that you have chosen, it might be the reason why you went down that road is because of the pressure of your parents, parental pressure. Come on, somebody. It might have been spousal pressure. It might have been because of your spouse that you went there. It might have been scholastic pressure. You chose this because maybe a teacher was behind you and forcing you in that direction. The option that you chose, it might have been as a result of a rape or as a result of molestation in your life. And so you chose that route because you thought that this route will be the route that is necessary to get you the desired outcome but that you're looking for but have you ever been in a place where you've chosen an option where you're laying in a porch and you're even surrounded by other people who also need a healing but it turns out that what you're looking for that that option is not bringing it to you am i the only person that's ever been there before you ever been in a position where the options just were not giving you what you were looking for And so here we find this man that there are five options. If it was just one pool or one porch, that would be the only option that he had. But he, but he had five. Everybody say five. And it's just, there's, there's nothing like being in a place where, you know, where, where you've got options. But I wonder if there's anybody that knows that sometimes it's more difficult to deal with options than it is to deal with just having a black and white answer. Have you ever been in that position? You know where it, 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 it's easier. It's easier. Sometimes we say, oh man, it's so difficult. When I do I, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? Should I not do it? That's the, that's the challenge that we have with black and white. Oh man, I wish I had more options in my life. But then as soon as the options come, you're like, man, do I take the black one? Do I take the white one? Do I take the yellow one? Do I pick this door? Do I take this door? Do I think, come on somebody. Can I keep it real on this morning? You don't know what to do. Sometimes it's hard to deal with options because oftentimes options don't give us the results or our options don't yield the outcome that we're looking for but i want you to understand this because this is some good news somebody just shout it with me i want you to just shout good news come on there's good news the good news is and this is what i want to start to preach with with just letting you understand that oftentimes god's solution is usually aside from our options Ah, man, man, man. In fact, that's good enough to preach to your neighbor. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, come on. Tell him, oh, neighbor, 
oftentimes, come on, God moves aside from your options. Man, we find this man who is here. It's in the text. I'm telling you, it's in the text uh, because he was lying there in that porch and he was seeking for deliverance. But what he needed was not coming out of the options that were presented. Man, I feel this is all good to this is good to me myself, because the fact of the matter is uh, that this option was not presented what he needed, presenting what he needed. But Courtney, then Jesus shows up and Jesus, God through Jesus shows up to give this guy his healing. And it wasn't in porch number one. Come on. His healing was not in porch number two his healing was not going to come through three or four or even five his healing was going to come through jesus itself and i showed up this morning to preach to maybe two or three of y'all in this place that are saying man the stuff i'm facing the options that i have they're not yielding the desired outcome and i'm here to tell you baby that oftentimes the reason the options aren't even if the options aren't giving you what you're looking for you need to trust and understand that oftentimes god is planning to move out side of my options and i'd rather get healed from jesus himself than some stinking old pool oh man i feel that thing right there that just we could close it just right there because see some of y'all you don't understand how the healing is happening and i don't know why i've been in that place before where i felt so crazy and it just look you look around and it seems like nothing that you're in nothing that you have access to is yielding the desired outcome and especially when god has given you a promise come on and we were singing about how his promises are unshaken and sometimes when god has given you promises and you know these promises in his word and you're saying man i'm in this position and this options that i have are not yielding what i'm looking for but i'm here to tell you and you're saying how in the world is it going to happen but i remember in the luke chapter one when god showed up to mary and tells her that she's going to have a child come on somebody how in the world she's like how am i going to have a child how am i going to have a child when i have not even had sex yet i'm not even married to them and god makes it clear to her he says look at your cousin elizabeth who was barren who couldn't even have children come on somebody every now and again God needs to give you God gives you someone else as a reference point if I could just preach to show you that it's possible for him to do it in your life because he did it in the life of them come on who am I talking to this morning and so he shows them he says man he said he he shows them he says if I did it for her he says in Luke 137 for with God nothing shall be impossible somebody this morning you quit and you're ready to throw in the towel because your options aren't yielding the outcome that you're looking for but I came to tell you that with God, no thing is impossible. That no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels, no matter what they said, nothing. Somebody just shout nothing. Nothing is impossible. Because he often works outside or aside of your, uh, from your options. My God, man, oh, that's it. That's like Jesus came with like a special delivery. Come on, somebody. It's stuff that the Canada Post can't deliver to your mailbox. There's some things that you order that you know it's not going to show up from the Canada Post. You know that you got you got to wait for that big brown box. Come on, somebody, for that big brown truck to show up outside, or the what's the other thing? What's the purulator? The white truck to show up outside to give you your to give you that special package. Jesus showed up to this man who was there and said, even though you can't get what you're looking for out of these five porches, I trust and believe that you're still going to get your deliverance, and it's coming straight from me. 
You know, see, I, I told you in my story that I picked that wrong option. I was there and I ended up in the hood in Detroit. But all I had to do, God said, you know what? The way that you're going to get there is not going to be through one of these shady map, uh, map options. Come on, somebody. You got to go and talk to somebody locally in the gas station who understands the area that you're in. And they're going to point you in the direction that you need to go. Oh, man, who am I talking to on this morning? The fact is that Jesus has a better perspective of your life than you ever had can. And the things that you're around the stuff that you would pick that they oftentimes will not give you what you're looking for but that's why proverbs 3 5 and 6 it says trust in the lord with all of your heart somebody say all and lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways there's that word again somebody say all all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path man ah that's delivering words for somebody this morning because you've been trying to do it in your own strength you've been trying to find your way out you've been exploring your options and trying to get it together and trying to figure it out and god saying stop messing with those options those options are don't have your deliverance i got your deliverance trust in me so so the text so the text it's in the text. It's in the text. So Jesus is the guy that shows up to give him directions. That, 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 because the directions that he was following and the stuff that he was trying to use to get his deliverance from was not working. And so I love it because Jesus shows up here and Jesus begins to give him directions. Ah, man, it's just something awesome about when Jesus is your GPS. In fact, I need you to just look at your neighbor. We like talking to people here. We don't want to just sit stone faced and y'all can look at me crazy, but don't look at your neighbor crazy. Give him a high five and tell him, neighbor, let Jesus be your GPS. Come on, tell him. Jesus shows up and Jesus has some directions for him. Come on. Jesus tells him, and I love this. Uh, I love this in, in verse eight. Uh, Jesus said to him, get up. So Jesus is telling him here, take up your bed and walk my god uh, and at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked man i truly I, i'm crazy enough to believe that it's deliverance in the house for somebody this morning jesus is showing up in your middle of your situation with some directions and if you would open your spiritual ears and hear them i'm believing that there's deliverance getting ready to hit your life right now he says get up Take up your bed and walk. And so I want to give you five things. We looked at five porches, five options for him to get to the pool. None of them was working. And so I want you to look at this thing. Just five things that I want to note for the sake of our series called five. I want to give you five things uh, that you need to understand in dealing with Jesus's directions. Uh, so, 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 so the first thing I want you to understand, note this in the text in verse uh, seven, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? The Bible says the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stored up. So when Jesus stirred up, so when Jesus asks him about his desire for deliverance, he answers about the absence of people in his life. So, can I give you point number one? Point number one. If you want to be delivered, if you want to experience God's deliverance in your life, the first thing is that, number one, don't let the absence of people hinder your hope. In fact, somebody say that with me. Say, don't let the absence of people hinder your hope. 
When you understand that Jesus is your GPS, when you understand that Jesus has something for your life that's oftentimes greater than the options that he has, that you see that are around you and that you understand, then you does he says I didn't have a man to put me down in the pool. That's why other people were able to get in before me because I didn't have a man. How many of you are making excuses saying you can't succeed and be great because you don't have a man in your life? Come on, women. You say, I don't know how, I, you know, I, I need a man to complete me. Come on. If you don't know how to be complete without a man, you're not going to be complete when a man shows up. Come on, somebody. If you can't say amen, you just got to say ouch. But how about on the flip side and men that say, oh, I need, a, I need this chick. I need her. I need this. I need that. You don't. How about, how about, how about, you need to understand how Paul talks about maximizing our singleness for the glory of God. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. How about people say, I didn't have a father. I didn't have a mother. So now I don't know how to love and I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do, I can't, I can't venture into uh, parental relationships because of the fact that I didn't have love. Man, I hear David declare in Psalm 27 verse 10 he says even when my father and my mother forsake me come on somebody that the Lord will take me up there's some of you that need to know that you are loved by God and you need to know that just because your father walked out on you Jesus didn't walk out on you over 2,000 years ago he showed up on a cross and died for your sins and he wants to have relationship with you who am I talking to on this morning you need to understand that the absence of a father and a mother should not hinder you and hinder your hope how about degrees somebody say i don't have a degree so i can't serve the lord and walk therein do you understand man acts chapter 4 verse 13 it was declared of the disciples and the apostles that they were unlearned men somebody say unlearned men and people marveled because of the fact that they didn't have even, they weren't learned in that moment. And God was using them in such a powerful way. Even if you don't have a degree, if you want to get one, go ahead and get one. But at the end of the day, don't let even your education hinder you by being used by the Lord. And how about haters? Everybody always talking about haters. Oh, I got haters. I got haters. Even haters should not hinder you. Don't let them hinder you. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 that blessed are you when people persecute you. Come on, somebody. Blessed are you. How about uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 14, which lets us know that when people are insulting you, then you are blessed. When people insult you for the sake of Christ because you're trying to live right and you're trying to serve God and seek God and you're in a position that, you know, you feel like, oh, no, I can't progress because these people don't want me to be great. You think that a man or a woman or somebody can stop you from walking into what God has called you to if you're willing to lean in to what God has for you? A man or a woman, a hater can't stop you. Come on. You know what God said to Jesus about his enemies? He said his, his enemies, God will stand still until I make your enemies your footstool. And there's some folk in your life as a believer that you don't realize, but as they hate, you elevate. Okay. That was for two real folk right there. Hashtag. And so, not only this, so, so number one, in terms of what do we do with Jesus' direction, you know, you can't, don't let the absence of people hinder you, uh, hinder your hope. But number two, number two, number two, he also goes on, remember I told you about this last week, and I shared with you, he said this, I have no one to put me in the pool uh, when water, when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going in, another steps down before me. So again, notice here that as Jesus is presenting him the opportunity for deliverance, 
he again starts making excuses about why it is that he could not experience the deliverance of God. But can I give you number two? Number two is you can't make progress and excuses at the same time. When Jesus shows up to give you direction, some of you guys, you've been reading the word because God primarily speaks to us, the church, through his word. Somebody say his word. And some of y'all don't hear God because you don't read your Bible. Talking about, I don't, the Lord doesn't talk to me. He don't give me no directions. And when's the last time you read your Bible? Come on, somebody. God primarily speaks through his word. Secondary, you're sitting there waiting like, I'm waiting to hear you, Jesus. I'm waiting to hear, waiting for some lightning to strike, waiting, to, waiting for all this sorts of stuff. Did you know that the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all of the word is inspired by God, come on, and given for correction and for reproof. Are you with me this morning? You can't make progress and excuses at the same time. I wonder if there's anybody who's ever encountered someone who made a excuse, who made a, uh, who, who is giving you an apology and making an excuse at the same time. You ever been in, in, the, in the position where you experienced that? Where somebody is trying to tell you, they were telling you, I'm sorry, but they're like, but it's because you did X, Y, and Z. It's because you're so ugly that that's why I had to slap you. Come on, somebody. And it's like, that. what type of apology is that? You're trying to help our relationship to progress and to go forward, but you're making excuses about why it is that you did what you did. Am I the only person that experienced that before? That's a mess. You can't make excuses and an apology at the same time. You can't justify your actions. If you want to go forward, if you want to experience what God has to offer, we have to be willing to put aside our excuses and to be able to move forward and experience the directions of the Lord. Are you still with me? I got just, I got three more and I'm out of here. So number three, look at this. I want you to see this. So this man is at the pool and Mary, he is literally bound. He's struck there. He is uh, in his position for 38 years. He can't move. He can't do nothing. And then look at what Jesus tells him to do in verse eight. Jesus said to him, get up. Hold up, Jesus. Uh, you showed up here. I, you know, you seen me here. I'm struck i can't do nothing i'm obviously not healed there's people that are getting in the water before me and you're telling me my legs are not working last time i checked and you're telling me to get up that's the first thing you tell me is get up how in the world does it make sense that jesus is going to look at this guy and tell him to get up when his legs don't work can i just help a church to understand today can i give you number three god's commands appeal to our faith first before our flesh god's commands appeal to our faith before our flesh that so 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 when jesus is commanding this man and who can't walk and whose legs don't work and telling him to get up and to do something physical it's because what jesus had for him it was not going to take his flesh to do it but it was going to take his faith. Who am I talking to on this morning? Somebody in here today, you don't understand how Jesus is telling you to love again. Don't you understand the broken relationship that I come from? Don't you understand the broken home that I come from? Don't you understand the, the historic mess that's been in my finances? How are you telling me to come to a place where I can be uh, financially stable and leave a, leave a generational blessing for my family hereafter? Don't you understand what's going on? But Jesus is trying. What he has for you is not about 
about your flesh. It's about you being able to see it before you see it or you never will see it. Who am I talking to on this morning? Man, I hear in Mark chapter 9 verse 23 when this man came uh, to Jesus because he needed a healing for his son. And the Bible declares uh, before he tells Jesus, I believe but help my unbelief. We find in Mark chapter 9 verse 23. I, I, in fact, I'm going to turn there uh, in Matthew. Mark, Mark is the second book in the New Testament for those who are new to Bible. And we're going to chapter 9 and we're looking at verse 23. It says, and Jesus said to him... If you can, all things, there's that word again, somebody say all, all things are possible for one who believes. Man, I don't know who I'm talking to on this morning. And the reason why you haven't made any actions forward is because your situation is halt and bound and you're looking at your situation and saying, this can't be God's command. God must be out of his mind. Come on, Sarah and Abraham. When Sarah's womb was dried up and she was past the years that she should have been able to have children. These are biblical characters in the Old Testament. And God promised Sarah and Abraham when they were almost a hundred years of age that they were going to have a baby. And it did not make any sense because physically it was not going to be possible because of their flesh she was not to a position where she was able to have a baby anymore but the promise that God made to them was not going to have to be done by their efforts but it was going to come because of their faith in the God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all who we could ask all we could ask or think according to his power that works in us who am I talking to God might have told you to start that business God might have told you he wants to heal your body God might have told you he's saying you know what I want you to love again I want you to enter into a relationship again it's not going to be like the one last time who am I talking to it's okay for you to go in there but you don't get it because of your flesh but God's commands often appeal to our faith before they appeal to our flesh faith gives you the ability to do the things carnally that you could not do in the flesh Faith, faith puts you in a position where you're able to do things carnally that in the flesh you couldn't do before. Come on, somebody. It, man, it's like, it's like faith will give you wings. Remember the Red Bull commercial? It's like faith puts you in a position where you can fly above anything that you're in and anything that you're facing. I just want to charge somebody's faith today because God has been trying to take you forward, but you've been allowing your situation and what you see around you or the fact that you're limp and you're laying on the ground. You've been allowing that to stop you from getting up. If Jesus says, Jesus, the GPS says, get up. You better believe that he's not wasting his breath. His word won't come back void, but it will accomplish that which he has set it forth to do. You got to give God praise because he is a director and all things are possible to those who would believe his word. Thank you, baby in the back. And so, not only this, can we still preach? So we got just, I just got, I just got two more for you. Uh, this is why, this is why, man. And you know, that's why I even mentioned at the beginning in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, why it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, don't trust in the Andrew with all your heart. Come on. Don't trust in the, the Michelle with all your heart. Don't trust in the Tory with all your heart. Who am I talking to this morning? You got to trust in the Lord. Somebody say the Lord. 
the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. You know what that means? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Don't lean to your thought process about the situation. Don't lean to what you see and what you think about the situation. You need to, you need to get to the place where you put your trust in God and trust that because he's omniscient, which means that he knows everything and sees everything, that he is in a position, you got to trust that he can see beyond your situation and present something outside of the options that will position you to get what it is that you need from him man i'm looking forward to some testimonies to come out of this service come on i'm looking forward to hearing some bodies healed out of this situation i've seen it before and i believe that god's going to do it in our midst as well are you with me so number four number four uh, so look at this so he tells him get up everybody say get up but then look at what he tells him after he says get up the b part this is this is he says he says take up your bed Somebody say, take up your bed. Why? So, so not, not only did he tell him to get up, but he, after his stuff isn't working, but then he commands him and says, take up, take something up too. I want you to understand. I want you to get this. Look, so the thing, the bed that he has been lying on, the Serta uh, super pillow mattress top that he was on the ground, because you know the fact is that this place was a place of comfort for him. The thing that he was lying in, the porch, the option, it was a place of, it was this thing that he laid in. Come on, somebody. The place where he parked himself in his broke down position. And, and that was the thing that had him there. And so Jesus is saying to him, look, the fact is that after you get up, you're not going to need to lie down in that mess anymore who knows what that thing probably smelt like i mean he's been lying there he probably sometimes couldn't make it to the bathroom can i just paint the picture for you and so he probably sometimes went to the bathroom on himself because he couldn't go it probably was flies all over there it was just a mess it was excrement not only that but he was just there for a while and it was a place that represented a place of comfort because he could not move from that position how many of you know that every now and again you're in a position where your stuff just smells you know the stuff that you've been lying in the stuff that you've been in the stuff that you've been on the thing that you've been parked in that you understand sometimes it's some flies around there because of the way that it stinks because of the mess that you haven't been able to eliminate in other places stuff just starts to compound and build up in the place that you're in can I preach on this morning and so I want you to understand uh, that number four is that true deliverance leaves no provision for reversion he's saying when you get up off the ground, you're not going to need this because you're delivered. So don't leave this bed on the ground so that at some point you're going to need to come and lie back there. When God truly delivers you, many of us, what happens is the reason why we revert and go back to our vomit is because we leave that thing as a plan B just in case this deliverance thing don't work. Then maybe I'm going to go back to my place of comfortability, even though this thing is stinking. Come on, somebody. Am I the only person that's ever been in there? But you got to get to the place where you realize that God's deliverance doesn't need a plan B. What God wants to do in your life is something that's permanent. And you need to get to the place where you say, I, what I have. What I have from the lord and what jesus is offering me is better than what i've had down on that nasty old pillow and so i got to get to the place that i don't just get up but i need leave no provision for reversion it's some phone numbers that i got to delete out of my phone come on who am i talking to it's some facebook profiles that i need to click unfriend from because i'm leaving no provision for reversion it's some places i need to start taking a different route home so i don't pass by their house anymore can i talk to somebody this morning because i'm not leaving any provision 
provision for reversion. There's some relationships that I got to cut off. It's some, it's some credit cards that I got to cut up so that I don't fall back into the financial pit that I was in anymore. Who am I talking to? You've got to get to the place where if God's going to bring you out, you're not looking for a pan B. I'm not only getting up, but I'm taking up the thing that I was lying in before. True deliverance leaves no provision for reversion because God's deliverance doesn't require a plan B. God's not bringing you out with the purpose of you going back in. Come on. And that's why some of us can't experience continuous deliverance in our life because we came out, but our head is like this looking back. But Jesus doesn't want to bring you out with a plan B. He's trying to bring you out to keep you out. That's why Romans 13, 14, it talks about making no provision for the flesh. And some of you, oh, no, it's okay. I'm delivered now. I'm free now. It's okay. I can make it. We're going to be good. We're just going to be friends and we're just going to be pals. You know, we can just talk on the phone. I know I used to sleep with him and I shouldn't have been sleeping with him, but it's okay. You know, he needs a shoulder to cry on every now and again. And so, you know, it's okay. You can call me and we're just going to be good and we're just going to be pals and chums. And then you end up back in the same bed. Come on, somebody that you left before because you made provision for the flesh. Who am I talking to? I don't care if he needs a friend. If he need a friend, Jesus is going to send him a friend the same way he can send you a friend and you got to get to the place where you stop caring and trying to be loyal to people who don't have your best interest in hand if he loves you he's gonna put a ring on it come on somebody instead of he's gonna lead you to the altar before he leads you to the bedroom because he cares more about you being whole than he does about him being happy man i don't know i just feel like So he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Now, before I even talk about the B part of what I want to share, the fifth one is not, you need to understand. No, don't just, don't let the absence of people hinder you from your hope. You can't make progress and excuses at the same time. God's commands appeal to our faith before our flesh. Uh, True deliverance leaves no provision for reversion. But the last one, don't just hear God out. Walk it out. You need to get to the place where, look, this man, if he heard to get up, if he heard to take up your bed and walk, come on, and he just sat there and didn't do anything, then it wouldn't be, it would be to the place where it was a waste of Jesus' breath. And see, so many of you, this is why we show up to church on Sundays, come on, and you hear me preaching and I'm up here sweating, uh, yelling out my guts till I'm blue in the face because I just love the Lord and I see what he's done in my life and I want you to get it so bad. But no matter how much I yell at you, if you just hear it, but you don't walk it out, guess what's going to happen? You're going to end up in the same place that you've been countless times before and many times it's not that the pastor's not preaching right it's not that the worship team ain't singing the right way you can go and you can listen on podcasts you can go from church to church to church come on somebody but the fact is you got to get to the place where you say you know what i've got to open my ears and not just hear it but then i got to get my tail up and actually do something with it 
James chapter 1 verse 22. James talks about, he says, what type of person is someone that goes and looks in the mirror? He says, somebody that is just a hearer of the word but not a doer is someone that hears about the word and that they just go and they look in the mirror and they see themselves. If I, if I look in the mirror and I see, just, I wake up and there's just like a booger, just like a long booger just right across my mouth, just looking crazy. Wouldn't that be a mess? Or, or, or you know when there's a big booger and it's just hanging out your nose? And people be talking to you and they, you, you know, you walk up to people and you'd be like, hi, how's it going? And it's like, you're standing at that person. You're just looking like, man, I don't know if I should say something. Uh, but even when they turn around, it's just like following them. It's, like, it's going to slap me in the face. And it's just, you know, and it's just, and then sometimes it just starts coming down or it's just stuck in their mustache. It's just, it's just nasty. But now there's one thing for that person to have that booger in their nose and not know about it. But wouldn't it be crazy if that person went and looked in the mirror and seen this big old, uh, this big old Leviathan booger just hanging out their nose. They look in the mirror and they say, oh, okay. And they just turn around and just walk away. Wouldn't that be crazy? And that's how we do with the word. Come on, somebody. You show up Sunday after Sunday and you hear about all this stuff and how you can get delivered and how you need to read your Bible and how you need to connect with folk and how you need to be real with God instead of putting on your cover girl act. Come on, somebody trying to act like God doesn't see behind all that makeup that you be putting on your life. Can I talk to somebody this morning and you just hear it and oh, yes, pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And you do all that, but then you don't put nothing to practice. It's like you walking around with this big old booger in your face and you see it and it's a mess and you're unwilling and so we got to get to the place where we don't just hear God out but we walk it out you know how you just used to listen to your parents like okay I hear ya oh my gosh clean your room okay whatever mom sure mom and you're just sitting there playing your video game still you're not you're not intending to do nothing and oftentimes that's why we're not experiencing deliverance and you know and the thing i love about this and i'm ending here the thing that i love about this is look at this look at this in verse 9 it says and at once so after jesus tells him this stuff it says that he took up his bed and he walked but i want you to see this are you still with me this is the he says and at once the man was healed And then he took up his bed and he walked. Let me say it again. At once, after Jesus told him what to do, at once the man was healed. And then he took up his bed and he walked. I love the fact because see, the fact is, like I told you about faith. The thing is that what God wants to do in your life that's aside from the options that you've been facing. uh, I wonder if it's two or three praisers in this place before we leave this place that understand that God is not going to tell you to do something that's impossible without first empowering you to do it. Unto him who is, Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in you. So God is not going to tell you to do something that he doesn't first empower you to do. It says, first he was healed, then he got up. God wants to do this work. And there's somebody today, and that's what I'm telling you, that God wants to do a work in your life. And he wants to do the work that's outside of the options. All You spend all your money. You spend all of your efforts. You've been in school. You've been in school for a career for like the past 20 years. Come on, somebody. And nothing has worked out. And God is so often saying to you, he's saying, you know what? Look, this guy was dealing with what he was dealing with for 38 years. And he thought that this thing, he was in a position where he was bound can i tell you that if it hasn't killed you by now that oftentimes it's because the thing that you're facing is not stronger than you 
Oh man, that was a word for somebody right there. I just let me just say it again. You thought that thing was gonna mess you up. You thought that thing was gonna jack you up, but you thought that God didn't have a plan beyond it. Why don't you? Th- why do you think that God hasn't allowed you to die by now? Why do you think that your life isn't over? You've been talking about how your life is. Oh man, nobody knows the trouble I see, and you're still here, and you're still in the house, and you're still giving God praise. And oftentimes, it's because God has a plan beyond it. That thing, if it was stronger than you, it would have killed you. But God. God oftentimes builds us, builds character in us through the stuff that we're facing. And one day, one day, he brings us to a place of deliverance. And we're able to see his deliverance power work in that thing that we thought was going to jack up and end our lives. And so for you, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're facing. But I'm here to tell you that God's grace, again, is sufficient. And that he doesn't command you to do stuff that he doesn't first empower you to do. He was healed Then he picked up his bed and he walked. Who am I talking to on this morning? He empowers you. He empowers us. He empowers us. And you know, I love 1 John chapter 3 verse 20. Because some of you, you're like, man, I don't even have the position. I don't have the heart. You know, I don't have the position. And I remember even in Mark chapter 9 when the man was praying about his son. And Jesus says, all things are possible to him that believe. He cries out and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief because it's possible to have faith that God can do it, but there's still part of you that's wrestling with doubt. And I want you to understand that even though that's the case, that God oftentimes, when he's telling you to do what you do, it's about trusting in him. Come on, somebody. And when we put our trust in him, that positions us to be able to experience the deliverance that he has to offer. He will strengthen you. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Even when our heart fails us, that God is greater than your heart. What God has for you is even greater than your heart. Even when your heart fails you, He can empower you. He can empower you. He can empower you to walk out what He's called you to do. So, to you today, that options have run out, And options are not working. Get up. Hear me with your faith ears. Get up. Take up your bed. And walk in Jesus' name. 